Section thirty of A Far Country by Winston Churchill. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Book three, chapter twenty five, part two. I walked back to the club to discover that several inquiries had been made about me. Reporters had been there. Republican headquarters had telephoned to know if I were ill leaving word that i was not to be disturbed under any circumstances i went to my room and spent most of the night in distracted thought when at last morning came i breakfasted early searching the newspapers for accounts of the occurrence at templar's hall and the fact that these were neither conspicuous nor circumstantial was in the nature of a triumph of self-control on the part of editors and reporters news however sensational had severely to be condensed in the interest of a cause and at this critical stage of the campaign to make a tragic hero of herman krebs would have been the height of folly there were a couple of paragraphs giving the gist of his speech and a statement at the end that he had been taken ill and conveyed to the presbyterian hospital the hospital itself loomed up before me that sunday morning as i approached along ballantine street a diluted sunshine washing the extended business-like facade of grimy yellow brick we were proud of that hospital in the city and many of our foremost citizens had contributed large sums of money to the building scarcely ten years old it had been one of maud's interests i was ushered into the reception-room where presently came the physician in charge a dr castle one of those quiet-mannered modern young medical men who bear on their persons the very stamp of efficiency of the dignity of a scientific profession his greeting implied that he knew all about me his presence seemed to increase the agitation i tried not to betray and must have betrayed can i do anything for you mr parrot he asked i've come to inquire about mr krebs who was brought here last night i believe i was aware for an instant of his penetrating professional glance the only indication of the surprise he must have felt that herman krebs of all men should be the object of my solicitude why we sent him home this morning nineteen twenty six fowler street he wanted to go, and there was no use in his staying. "'He will recover?' I asked. The physician shook his head, gazing at me through his glasses. "'He may live a month, Mr. Parrot. He may die tomorrow. He ought never to have gone into this campaign. He knew he had this trouble. Hepburn warned him three months ago, and there's no man who knows more about the heart than Hepburn. Then there's no hope.' i asked absolutely none it's a great pity he added after a moment mr krebs was a remarkable man nineteen twenty six fowler street i repeated yes i held out my hand mechanically and he pressed it and went with me to the door nineteen twenty six fowler street he repeated the mean and sordid aspect of fowler street emphasized and seemed to typify my despair the pungent coal smoke stifled my lungs even as it stifled my spirit 
ugly factories which were little more than sweatshops wore an empty menacing sunday look and the faint november sunlight glistened on dirty pavements where children were making a semblance of play monotonous rows of red houses succeeded one another some pushed forward others thrust back behind like little plots of stamped earth into one of these i turned it seemed a little cleaner better kept less sordid than the others i pulled the bell and presently the door was opened by a woman whose arms were bare to the elbow she wore a blue-checked calico apron that came to her throat but the apron was clean and her firm though furrowed face gave evidences of recent housewifely exertions her eyes had the strange look of the cheerfulness that is intimately acquainted with sorrow she did not seem surprised at seeing me i've come to ask about mr krebs i told her oh yes she said there's been so many here this morning already it's wonderful how people love him all kinds of people no sir he don't seem to be in any pain two gentlemen are up there now in his room i mean she wiped her arms which still bore traces of soap suds and then with a gesture natural and unashamed lifted the corner of her apron to her eyes do you think i could see him for a moment i asked i've known him for a long time why i don't know she said i guess so the doctor said he could see some and he wants to see his friends that's not strange he always did i'll ask will you tell me your name i took out a card she held it without glancing at it and invited me in i waited unnerved and feverish pulsing in the dark and narrow hall beside the flimsy rack where several coats and hats were hung once before i had visited krebs in that lodging-house in cambridge long ago with something of the same feelings but now they were greatly intensified now he was dying the woman was descending he says he wants to see you sir she said rather breathlessly and i followed her in the semi-darkness of the stairs i passed the three men who had been with krebs and when i reached the open door of his room he was alone i hesitated just a second swept by the heat-wave that follows sudden shyness embarrassment a sense of folly it is too late to avert krebs was propped up with pillows well this is good of you he said and reached out his hand across the spread i took it and sat down beside the shiny oak bedstead in a chair covered with tobacco-coloured plush you feel better i asked oh i feel all right he answered with a smile it's queer but i do my eyes fell upon the long line of sectional bookcases that lined one side of the room why you've got quite a library here i observed yes i've managed to get together some good books but there is so much to read nowadays so much that is really good and new a man has the hopeless feeling he can never catch up with it all a thousand writers and students are making contributions today where fifty years ago there was one i've been following your speeches after a fashion i wish i might have been able to read more of them 
your argument interested me it's new unlike the ordinary propaganda of of agitators he supplied with a smile of agitators i agreed and tried to return his smile an agitator who appears to suggest the foundations of a constructive programme and who isn't afraid to criticise the man with a vote as well as the capitalist is an unusual phenomenon oh when we realize that we've only got a little time left in which to tell what we think to be the truth it doesn't require a great deal of courage parrot i didn't begin to see this thing until a little while ago i was only a crude hot-headed revolutionist god knows i'm crude enough still but i began to have a glimmering of what all these new fellows in the universities are driving at he waved his hand towards the bookcases. Driving at, collectively, I mean. And there are attempts, worthy attempts, to coordinate and synthesize the sciences. What I have been saying is not strictly original. I took it on the stump, that's all. I didn't expect it to have much effect in this campaign. But it was an opportunity to sow a few seeds— to start a sense of personal dissatisfaction in the minds of a few voters what is it browning says it's in bishop blougram i believe when the fight begins within himself a man's worth something it's an intellectual fight of course his words were spoken quietly and i realized suddenly that the mysterious force which had drawn me to him now against my will was an intellectual rather than apparently sentimental one an intellectual force seeming to comprise within it all other human attractions and yet i felt a sudden contrition see here krebs i said i didn't come here to bother you about these matters to tire you i mustn't stay i'll call in again to see how you are from time to time but you're not tiring me he protested stretching forth a thin detaining hand i don't want to rot i want to live and think as long as i can to tell you the truth parrot i've been wishing to talk to you i'm glad you came in you've been wishing to talk to me i said yes but i didn't expect you'd come in i hope you don't mind my saying so under the circumstances but i've always rather liked you admired you even back in the cambridge days after that i used to blame you for going out and taking what you wanted and i had to live a good many years before i began to see that it's better for a man to take what he wants than to take nothing at all i took what i wanted every man worth his salt does there's your great banker friend in new york whom i used to think was the arch fiend he took what he wanted and he took a good deal but it happened to be good for him and by piling up his corporations also on Pelion, he is paving the way for a logical economic evolution how can a man in our time find out what he does want unless he takes something and gives it a trial until he begins to feel that it disagrees with him i said but then i added involuntarily then it may be too late to try something else and he may not know what to try 
this remark of mine might have surprised me had it not been for the feeling now grown definite that krebs had something to give me something to pass on to me of all men indeed he had hinted as much when he acknowledged a wish to talk to me what seems so strange i said as i looked at him lying back on his pillows is your faith that we shall be able to bring order out of all this chaos your belief in democracy democracy's an adventure he replied the great adventure of mankind i think the trouble in many minds lies in the fact that they persist in regarding it as something to be made safe all that can be done is to try to make it as safe as possible but no adventure is safe life itself is an adventure and neither is that safe it's a hazard as you and i have found out the moment we try to make life safe we lose all there is in it worth while i thought a moment yes that's so i agreed on the table beside the bed in company with two or three other volumes lay a bible he seemed to notice that my eye fell upon it do you remember the story of the prodigal son he asked well that's the parable of democracy of self-government in the individual and in society in order to arrive at salvation parrot most of us have to take our journey into a far country a far country i exclaimed the words struck a reminiscent chord we have to leave what seem the safe things we have to wander and suffer in order to realize that the only true safety lies in development we have first to cast off the leading strings of authority it's a delusion that we can insure ourselves by remaining within its walls we have to risk our lives and our souls it is discouraging when we look around us today and in a way the pessimists are right when they say we don't see democracy we see only what may be called the first stage of it for democracy is still in a far country eating the husks of individualism materialism what we see is not true freedom but freedom run to riot men struggling for themselves spending on themselves the fruits of their inheritance we see a government intent on one object alone exploitation of this inheritance in order to achieve what it calls prosperity and god is far away and we shall turn i asked we shall turn or perish i believe that we shall turn he fixed his eyes on my face what is it he asked what brought you here to me to-day i was silent the motive that sends us all wandering into his divine is inherited from god himself and the same motive after our eyes shall have been opened after we shall have seen and known the tragedy and misery of life after we shall have made the mistakes and committed the sins and experienced the emptiness the same motive will lead us back again that too is an adventure the greatest adventure of all because when we go back we shall not find the same god or rather we shall recognize him in ourselves 
autonomy is godliness knowledge is godliness we went away cringing superstitious we saw everywhere omens and evidences of his wrath in the earth and sea and sky we burned candles and sacrificed animals in the vain hope of averting scourges and other calamities but when we come back it will be with a knowledge of his ways gained at a price the price he too must have paid and we shall be able to stand up and look him in the face and all our childish superstitions and optimisms shall have been burned away some faith indeed had given him strength to renounce those things in life i had held dear driven him on to fight until his exhausted body failed him and even now that he was physically helpless sustained him i did not ask myself then the nature of this faith in its presence i could no more be questioned than the light it was light i felt bathed in it now it was soft suffused but i remembered how the night before in the hall just before he had fallen it had flashed forth in a smile and illumined my soul with an ecstasy that yet was anguish we shall get back i said at length my remark was not a question it had escaped from me almost unaware the joy is in the journey he answered the secret is in the search but for me i exclaimed we've all been lost parrot it would seem as though we have to be and yet you are saved i said hesitating over the word it is true that i am content even happy he asserted in spite of my wish to live if there is any secret it lies i think in the struggle for an open mind in the keeping alive of a desire to know more and more that desire strangely enough hasn't lost its strength we don't know whether there is a future life but if there is i think it must be a continuation of this he paused i told you i was glad you came in i've been thinking of you and i saw you in the hall last night you ask what there is for you i'll tell you the new generation the new generation that's the task of every man and woman who wakes up i've come to see how little can be done for the great majority of those who have reached our age it's hard but it's true superstition sentiment the habit of wrong thinking or of not thinking at all have struck in too deep the habit of unreasoning acceptance of authority is too paralyzing some may be stung back into life spurred on to find out what the world really is but not many the hope lies in those who are coming after us we must do for them what wasn't done for us we really didn't have much of a chance parrot what did our instructors at harvard know about the age that was dawning what did anybody know you can educate yourself or rather re-educate yourself all this and he waved his hand towards his bookshelves all this has sprung up since you and i were at cambridge if we don't try to become familiar with it if we fail to grasp the point of view from which it's written there's little hope for us go away from all this and get straightened out 
make yourself acquainted with the modern trend in literature and criticism with modern history find out what's being done in the field of education read the modern sciences especially biology and psychology and sociology and try to get a glimpse of the fundamental human needs underlying such phenomena as the labor and woman's movements god knows i've just begun to get my glimpse and i've floundered around ever since i left college i don't mean to say we can ever see the whole but we can get a clue an idea and pass it on to our children you have children haven't you yes i said he said nothing he seemed to be looking out of the window then the scientific point of view in your opinion hasn't done away with religion i asked presently the scientific point of view is the religious point of view he said earnestly because it's the only self-respecting point of view i can't believe that god intended to make a creature who would not ultimately weigh his beliefs with his reason instead of accepting them blindly that's immoral if you like especially in these days and are there then no over-beliefs i said remembering the expression in something i had read that seems to me a relic of the method of ancient science which was upside down a mere confusion with faith faith and belief are two different things faith is the emotion the steam if you like that drives us on in our search for truth theories at a stretch might be identified with over-beliefs but when it comes to confusing our theories with facts instead of recognizing them as theories when it comes to living by over-beliefs that have no basis in reason and observed facts that is fatal it's just the trouble with so much of our electorate today unreasoning acceptance without thought then i said you admit of no other faculty than reason i confess that i don't a great many insights that we seem to get from what we call intuition i think are due to the reason which is unconsciously at work if there were another faculty that equalled or transcended reason it seems to me it would be a very dangerous thing for the world's progress we'd come to rely on it rather than on ourselves the trouble with the world is that it has been relying on it reason is the mind it leaps to the stars without realizing always how it gets there it is through reason we get the self-reliance that redeems us but you i exclaimed you rely on something else besides reason yes it is true he explained gently but that thing other than ourselves we feel stirring in us is power and that power or the source of it seems to have given us our reason for guidance if it were not so we shouldn't have a semblance of freedom for there is neither virtue nor development in finding the path if we are guided we do rely on that power for movement and in the moments when it is withdrawn we are helpless both the power and the reason are gods but the church i was moved by some untraced thought to ask you believe there is a future for the church a church of all those who disseminate truth foster open-mindedness serve humanity and radiate faith he replied but as though he were speaking to himself not to me 
a few moments later there was a knock at the door and the woman of the house entered to say that dr hepburn had arrived i rose and shook krebs's hand sheer inability to express my emotion drove me to commonplaces i'll come in soon again if i may i told him do parrot he said it's done me good to talk to you more good than you imagine i was unable to answer him but i glanced back from the doorway to see him smiling after me on my way down the stairs i bumped into the doctor as he ascended the dingy brown parlour was filled with men standing in groups and talking in subdued voices i hurried into the street and on the sidewalk stopped face to face with perry blackwood hugh he exclaimed what are you doing here i came to inquire for krebs i answered i've seen him you you've been talking to him perry demanded i nodded he stared at me for a moment with an astonishment to which i was wholly indifferent he did not seem to know just how to act well it was decent of you hugh i must say how does he seem not at all like like what you'd expect in his manner no agreed perry agitatedly no he wouldn't my god we've lost a big man in him i think we have i said he stared at me again gave me his hand awkwardly and went into the house it was not until i had walked the length of the block that i began to realize what a shock my presence there must have been to him with his head full of the contrast between this visit and my former attitude could it be that it was only the night before i had made a speech against him and his associates it is interesting that my mind rejected all sense of anomaly and inconsistency krebs possessed me i must have been in reality extremely agitated but this sense of being possessed seemed a quiet one an amazing thing had happened and yet i was not amazed the krebs i had seen was the man i had known for many years the man i had ridiculed despised and oppressed but it seemed to me then that he had been my friend and intimate all my life more than that i had an odd feeling he had always been a part of me and that now had begun to take place a merging of personality nor could i feel that he was a dying man he would live on i could not as yet sort and appraise reduce to order the possessions he had wished to turn over to me it was noon and people were walking past me in the watery diluted sunlight men in black coats and top hats and women in bizarre complicated costumes bright with colour i had reached the more respectable portion of the city where the churches were emptying these very people whom not long ago i would have acknowledged as my own kind now seemed mildly animated automatons wax figures the day was like hundreds of sundays i had known the city familiar yet passing strange i walked like a ghost through it End of section thirty.